0: Today, from the Global Lane, one year after the start of the Ukraine war, this NATO leader says the alliance is ready for a direct fight with Russia. Is it only saber-rattling or is NATO preparing for World War III?
1: It is useful, I think, to make clear to our enemies that we are willing to fight so that they don't try to take advantage of us.
0: Mail-in ballots for everyone? Ten million votes from the last election go unaccounted for in California. How can Americans protect election integrity in 2024?
2: The people need to get involved in protect that chain of custody because otherwise, you know, it's ballots all over the place. Anybody can cast anything.
0: Saying farewell to Tyree Nichols, how might this mother or the nation forgive such a brutal act? Our hearts
2: cry
3: out for justice. God also sees those who are offenders and sees their brokenness. Justice looks
0: uh, for God looks for restoration. And it's all right here on The Global Lane. Are you ready for World War III? The chairman of NATO's military committee says the U.S.-Canadian and European alliance is ready for a direct fight with Russia. The Ukraine war started one year ago this month, so is any end in sight? What can we learn from past conflicts to hasten peace? Here with us is historian Mark Moyer, William P. Harris Chair of Military History at Hillsdale College, author of the book Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War 1965 through 1968. Mark, we'll get to your book in a moment, but first, you're an expert on military history, so is this just saber rattling or is an escalated conflict, maybe even a World War III, uh, possible or even likely?
1: Well, I think anything's possible in international conflict, I think there are some things we can learn, and one of the most important is conveying resolution at a time of crisis, and that's actually one of the things that we didn't do well in Vietnam, and Lyndon Johnson actually suggested in 1964 that we weren't going to fight for Vietnam, so it is v- useful, I think, to make clear to our enemies that we are willing to fight so that they don't try to take advantage of
0: us. Well, we know the Ukraine war started one year ago this month, and it seems there were a lot of miscalculations, especially on the part of Vladimir Putin. Uh, He and his military have suffered a lot of setbacks. So just how capable is his army at this time? What difference are the weapons provided by the U.S. and NATO making uh, in the war? Will they be enough to defeat Putin, do you think?
1: Well, those are excellent questions. And part of the problem that we see in Ukraine is a timeless one that we've seen in other wars, which is that you don't really know everything you would like to know, and oftentimes what you think you know is, is inaccurate. So it does seem Putin has taken a lot of damage, but we've also seen the Ukrainians have suffered casualties close to those of the Russians, and the Russians are giving indications of getting their act together. They also have a bigger population than Ukraine. so. I think it's we've got to be careful about drawing any conclusions about who's stronger here and recognize that it'll it could be decades from now that we know the full truth about both sides.
0: Well, it could still be a long war. i I know NATO would like to see regime change Putin out. You know how that worked or didn't work when the CIA helped to assassinate South Vietnamese President Diem in nineteen sixty three so what are the risks with Russia regime change? Couldn't we end up with someone worse, the devil we don't know, instead of the devil we do know?
1: Yes, that's certainly the case. The you know, Vietnamese conflict shows us that uh, yeah, we we sometimes have an ability to change regimes, but oftentimes things don't go as planned. Uh, you know, in case South Vietnam, we even destroyed our own ally, which was part of the big problem. And then we never really fully comprehended our opponent. We thought Ho Chi Minh was still in charge for years after he had actually given way to others. And uh, so certainly no guarantee that a replacement for Putin would be better. And as you said, could be even worse than what we have right now.
0: Well, it seems we uh, miscalculate it at times. Uh, As you said, maybe some bad intelligence, too. Uh, So Triumph Regained. It follows the first book in your Vietnam series, Triumph Forsaken. This is a significant period in Vietnam War history, 65 through 68. And I know you go into quite a bit of detail about the Tet Offensive. We lost a lot of good men during that time, 55 years ago. The consensus of many historians, of course, Mark, is that the war was misguided, unjust, and you differ with that view. Why?
1: First of all, there was a lot more at stake in Vietnam than a lot of the second-guessers would have. Basically, all of Southeast Asia was up for grabs, and I show in the book how, first of all, the—, the Countries in the region were telling the United States, if you don't save South Vietnam, this whole area is going to fall to communism. And then we see in 1965, near the end of the year, there's this big cataclysm in Indonesia where the communists and anti-communists square off. And it's Vietnam that actually tilts the balance in favor and explains why Indonesia today is one of our biggest allies in that region.
0: And 50 years ago this month, American prisoners of war returned home. I I don't know. I I mean, I remember it. It was a joyous time uh, for the country. There may may be quite a few Vietnam veterans uh, watching this right now. So what do you want them to know about their mission in Vietnam, Mark, 50 years later after homecoming?
1: So I wrote this book in large part to tell veterans and their families and other Americans that, in fact, this war was a worthy enterprise. Now, the end of it was disastrous and, t- and we abandoned our ally, I think unnecessarily, we could have kept supporting them. But in the bigger picture, we were able to protect most of Southeast Asia, aside from South Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia. And those countries today are actually critical allies in what is, I think, our most important struggle in the long term, which is our competition with China, because China, I think, poses a much greater threat to us now than Russia does.
0: Okay. A lot of similarities to the way we exited Afghanistan, too. Okay. The book is Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War, 1965 through 68. Mark Moyer, thank you for writing uh, that book. Thank you for sharing your time and insights. We appreciate it.
1: Great. Thanks very much for having me.
0: President Biden is expected soon to make the announcement that he's running for re-election. It might come within days of his State of the Union address, scheduled for February 7th. Donald Trump has already announced he's running again. Other Republican candidates may soon enter the fray. So how do we protect election integrity? How do we ensure our next presidential, congressional, and state elections are fair? Well, joining us is Christina Bob, author of the book Stealing Your Vote. Ms. Bob is an attorney and former One America News Network investigative reporter. Christina, I want to begin by looking at California and the Election Integrity Watchdog Group uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation uh, recently reported that nearly three months after the midterm election, 10 million ballots in California are still unaccounted for. So what happened there? Tell us what you know about California and last November's election.
2: Yeah, well, I think California is doing everything they can under Gavin Newsom's leadership to make elections less integrous, less transparent, much more porous and manipulatable. And you know, recently, I want to say about a year or two ago, they went to all mail-in ballots, you know, flooding the states with ballots. And these are the problems that result when you do that: is you have 10 million votes unaccounted for or overcounted, or who knows what happened with these ballots. So, um, California. They need to clean up their elections, and I I hope that they do. But under Gavin Newsom, you know, the laws, I don't expect the laws to necessarily change. So it's up to the people in California to actually get involved and protect that chain of custody.
0: Well, nearly one quarter uh, of a million ballots in California were rejected in the primaries and midterm elections. Nearly half of all mail-in ballots arrived past the deadline. They were too late to count. So... Explain more about the problem of mass mailings, I guess, sending out ballots to every registered voter without those voters actually requesting one.
2: Right. Or if the voters even exist. I mean, we've seen so many problems with the voter rolls that the voter rolls are so manipulated. For example, in Wisconsin, I I know that they have about four million people in the state of Wisconsin over the age of 18 who are citizens, which means they could legally vote. Yet they have seven million people on their voter rolls. I mean that's unacceptable and we see that in many many states california is another one where the voter roll is extremely porous and moving away from voter id allows illegal aliens who are flooding into california to go to the polls and cast a ballot and so i don't have a, a lot of faith in the leadership in california right now to make any changes so it's up to the the people of california and i you know recently moved from california i love california a family that recently left california But uh, the people need to get involved in protect that chain of custody, because otherwise, you know, it's ballots all over the place. Anybody can cast anything.
0: Yeah. Years ago, I was in California and I interviewed several people who weren't weren't even citizens, uh, but they had voted. They admitted they had voted Uh, Two more election practices, of course, of concern are ballot drop boxes and ballot harvesting. So tell us how those might affect the vote.
2: Yeah, so the Dropbox is a relatively insecure way to cast a ballot. It's basically like putting putting your ballot in the mail, except it's not the U.S. Postal Service that takes it to the poll center. It's some random person who nobody really knows who these people are. Um, they might be volunteers. supposed to, They're supposed to be, you know, government contracted organizations. But as many people saw in 2000 Mules and other places, there's a lot of questions about who's actually accessing these ballot drop-offs. And so are they adding to the tally? In some cases, I found information where people were actually taking the drop box ballots in Republican areas and just tossing them so that they wouldn't be counted. Um, So it's an insecure way to cast a ballot. However, there are ways to secure it. In Florida, we had this issue, yet there were many, many volunteers who literally just stood outside of the ballot box. They did it in shifts to make sure that the ballot box was, was secure. So that really is the key. To these upcoming elections and certainly for 2024 we have to have people involved the advantage that we have against the crazy liberals who have taken over so much of our government is that there's more of us than them and the only way we can use that to our advantage is if the more of us actually are involved and put weight behind what we're doing
0: well senator josh hawley has introduced legislation that would ban ballot harvesting in federal elections also require that mail-in ballots be counted and recorded immediately and that counting yep. on election night continue until completed. No pauses in counting. So what do you think of those steps to ensure election integrity?
2: I think that's great. I think that's one step, and I think there there need to be many other steps. I don't like the centralized counting facilities we saw in uh, Atlanta and Milwaukee, in Maricopa County and Phoenix, where they take all the whole county and count them in one little location. And even though uh, Senator Hawley's legislation doesn't necessarily touch on that, It it kind of piggybacks off the fact we need to make the elections more secure by dispersing where the votes are actually tallied, to his point, it needs to be done immediately and public so that people actually know what the count is, rather than them doing it behind closed doors, finding enough ballots later and then saying, oh, look it, now it's a Democrat who won.
0: Okay, we'll wait and see if uh, Senator Hawley's legislation goes anywhere, what Congress and state legislatures do, but people need to let them know how they feel. The book is... Absolutely. ...Stealing Your Vote. Christina, Bob, thank you for sharing your insights. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much.
0: In Memphis this week, funeral services for 29-year-old Tyree Nichols, the man brutally beaten to death by police. Nichols' mother... Rowan Wells says she's praying for the police officers and their families. But how could a mother or anyone forgive such a brutal, inhumane act? Well, here to explain how he was able to come to a place of forgiveness for the abuse that he endured is Pastor David Peterson. Pastor Peterson is author of the book, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. Pastor Peterson, it's, it's so good to talk with you. Now, before you share your story... What do you want Tyree's mother and family members, others, to understand about the freedom found in forgiveness? This was a horrific crime. It shocked our nation. It would seem almost impossible to forgive those who were responsible for such an evil act.
3: Well, I I just first want to extend my deepest condolences, of course. But also forgiveness is one of the most powerful things that only we can give. And it's something that we do for ourselves and that it's something that we walk out on, even on a daily basis. It's not necessarily something that's really easy, especially in the face of uh, atrocities and deep, deep hurts. And, well, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with this family.
0: And most people want to see justice for Tyree. So tell us, what is the relationship between justice and forgiveness? Uh, Justice
3: seeks that what has been lost or taken is in some way restored or even in some way redeemed. We may not see justice as God sees justice. We may only see legal systems, and there's a real difference. Uh, Our hearts cry out for justice I'm so thankful for the words of Scripture, which bring us encouragement, that God hears our cries and knows um, each of our sadnesses. And uh, he himself, the word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. And that's one of my milestones to freedom is even on a daily basis to be able to say, um, surrender that to God and just trust him that, He sees and he knows, and he also sees those who are offenders and sees their brokenness as well. Justice looks uh, for God, looks for restoration for everyone involved, including those who um, perpetuate and and hurt.
0: Well, tell us about your story. First, I understand you grew up with essential tremors, and that's a neurological disorder that uh, causes uncontrollable trembling. So what happened to you, David? What caused that?
3: So ever since I was three or, or so, maybe younger, um, I've had essential central tremor, and it's something that runs in our family, and it originates deep inside the brain. And uh, like a lot of kids uh, growing up, for one reason or another, um, other folks find something to pick at. It's not just tremors. There are also things um, throughout my life. For example, when I was 12, I was targeted by a pedophile. Unfortunately, one in six men, uh, that's a reality. I'm like a junkie. I am bitter. I'm resentful. And I'm very angry. And I realized that it was affecting my relationship with my wonderful wife and even my kids and I had come to my pastor and said can you show me some ways that I can deal with unforgiveness and he was able to help me with a couple of the ways and I have them included in my book journey to forgiveness 21 milestones to freedom
0: well briefly then uh, how do we come to that place of forgiveness what must others do to experience the freedom that you say you now have Well, I think, you know, we are told by
3: pastors and well-meaning people, you have to forgive, right? We hear that all the time. And Jesus was never, ever soft on the need for forgiveness. And it was even part of, I mean, so much part of his mission and his message and his healing and redeeming um, qualities was to speak about forgiveness. Um, when we're wronged, those episodes, those significant episodes, kind of like find a place on, the, well, remember the days of records and record players. They, they they kind of find a way and notch a little place into our memory bank. And uh, but God has a way. Uh, of bringing about healing in those things, showing us where he was, what he was doing during those times when those episodes occurred.
0: Well, it all begins on our knees, does it not? And uh, inviting the Holy Spirit to do it for us. We can't do it on our own. The book is Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. Pastor David Peterson, thank you for setting us straight today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. God's richest blessings. A new Gallup poll released this week shows Americans believe government is the nation's top problem. 21% of those polled expressed concern about poor leadership. No wonder. Presidents from both political parties, former President Donald Trump and President Joe Biden, are under investigation for removing classified documents from the White House. Our former vice president admitted the same. And what about the ethics allegations of newly elected New York Congressman George Santos? accused of lying repeatedly to get elected. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he'll wait and see if the Ethics Committee finds any criminality in what Santos did before he makes a decision on a possible vote to remove him from Congress. Folks, don't get me wrong here. I'm not excusing what Santos may have done, but if lying to get elected is the standard for removing someone from Congress, then most of the offices on Capitol Hill would be vacant. And Congress keeps spending money, adding to the national debt, which will soon exceed $32 trillion. So no wonder Americans rate government as our biggest problem. The second top concern, inflation. No surprise there, it currently stands at 6.5%. Just about everything costs more, including eggs. Depending on the breed, in many places, you can buy a live chicken for less than the cost of a dozen eggs. I was surprised that out of the top nine issues of concern, morality and family issues rated last. Only 4% of the people polled showed concern about that. Folks, the reason we don't trust government is our leaders' lack of concern for ethics, morality, and family values. A so-called family-friendly drag show at a Texas community center is just one example. No outrage or law violations were noted here even though the drag queen strutted his stuff in a bodysuit, and he told children in attendance to close their ears as he announced, Cheers to the ones who lick us where we... Well, you get the idea. It's what people do to release bodily fluids. Well, community centers are usually required to abide by community standards. Shouldn't drag shows be limited to appropriate licensed venues like nightclubs or sexually-oriented businesses? Do local officials think it's okay... To violate ordinances and expose children to this? Maybe not this Texas drag show, but other similar shows have exposed children to breasts and genitalia. Is this what we want for our children? And in California, the state government has no problem with child prostitution. Legislators there passed a new law decriminalizing child prostitution. What the law does is keep child prostitutes out of jail and the judicial system where they could get help. Instead... They remain on the street to turn more tricks. and encourages and normalizes child sex trafficking. It keeps the cash flowing. But all is not lost. Another poll shows that two-thirds of Americans say public demonstrations of prayer in tragic times, like the recent on-field collapse and resuscitation of NFL player DeMar Hamlin, are a force for good. Now, if only more Americans would see how daily prayer in public and private can change our lives and our nation. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB Channel's social media and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.